We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, friends. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball After Dark. I'm joined by my recently returned from vacation guest, J- Josh Bowe. How are you? I'm good. I think I picked a perfect opportunity to get back into the fold. What do you think? I mean, I'm, I hope you feel recharged because yes. we're apparently in it for a while because today was a wild-ass uh, day. We're going to talk about a little bit of everything, but first thing we have to talk about is the most recent thing that happened, which was the Mavericks holding off the Los Angeles Clippers in what felt like just a like a couple, like a street fight. Dude's just throwing haymakers. Luka Doncic poured in a career-high 51 points, which started out with a 28-point first quarter. Apparently, Dirk Nowitzki had a 29-point quarter at some point. I kind of want to go find that. I don't. I oh, honestly don't remember it at the uh, at this point. The the clip. I think we were when we did our roundtable about um, favorite Dirk memories or something. Dirk moments of when he's jersey retired. I that was my moment. It was 29 against Utah. I think like in 2009 or 2010, mm, and it was mm. all in the fourth quarter. They were down by like 17 in the fourth quarter. Um, and there's you, you can find it on YouTube. There's okay. a very, I'm remembering this now. There's a four by three ratio YouTube video of, it, of yeah. that fourth quarter, and it's fun to watch. Well, it was, a, it was a real kind of exciting game because it, it, the Mavericks just didn't look like they had it as a team. Yes, they started out ahead up eight, and then at one point they were leading by as many as 17. And then the Clipper, and that we're talking like four minutes in the third quarter, or uh, left in the third quarter, looked like the Mavericks going to run away with it. And then they just got punched in the mouth. Um, the refs started calling kind of a really interesting game. I don't want to say it was like a refs game, but I didn't feel like it was a very consistently called game. The Clippers started getting very physical. 
doubling Luca a ton. And uh, I wrote my my second recap point tonight was about the Mavericks have to figure out more productive ways to, to when Luca gets doubled because it can't go to Maxi or to Dwight. That that just can't be the outlet. They have to figure out more optionality as because he gets doubled more than anyone. And then they they it got within three in the fourth um, with around six minutes or so. And then the Mavericks answered back with a quick 5-0 run or 7-0 run, excuse me. And the Clippers just weren't able to to chip into it. And the Mavericks walked away with with the seven point win. It was it was a fun game, but I don't even know. It's like kind of odd. Like Robert Covington only played 10 minutes. Felt like they were still like working some things out. It was it was curious. I, I don't know what to take away from this game because I think these Clippers could come back and just beat the hell out of the Mavericks on Saturday. Yeah, I mean the 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 Clippers are very feisty, despite the mm-hmm. fact that they are beat all to holy hell. You know, no Kawhi, obviously, no George. But, um, yeah, I mean, this was kind of prototypical. Like, you look at the box score, and Luca has a hilarious amount of points, and no one else has anything. I mean, three other Mavericks scored in double figures, and it was 12 from Dorian, 11 from Bullock, 11 from Brunson. Um, the entire bench uh scored 19 points total um and yeah it was it was was difficult i think there were some moments in the fourth quarter that were really tough to watch where like you said luca got doubled someone was open and i think they went to brunson a couple of times who kind of caught the ball near the middle of the floor he missed like a wide open eight foot jumper um he finished three of 12 from the field i mean really really rough game for him shooting the ball and then otherwise it was just you know a lot of deer and headlights looks in the fourth quarter when Luca wasn't cooking, but thankfully they seem, you know, the defensive thing is, is still happening. Like they're still playing mm-hmm. quality defense. Obviously the Clippers are not like a juggernaut with the way their roster is looking right now, but they play pretty decent defense down the stretch. They hit their free throws. They were 23 to 27 from the free throw line. I think I heard on the broadcast, they made their last 11 free throws. So you're going to win close games doing that. So yeah, some of the some of the same problems that we've been complaining about for a long time in terms of how the Mavericks offense, you know, in crunch time can look uh, very shaky with some of these role guys, you know, not being able to do much with the ball in their hands. But you know, Luca kind of padded the game in the first quarter, uh, and they were just able to just ride it out with with defense and and hitting their free throws and only thirteen turnovers, which. Feels like it's pretty good considering seven of them were from Luca, and when you consider how often the Clippers were doubling him and making guys like Dorian and Brunson and Bullock and Maxi and Powell have like handle the ball and touch it, you know, six turnovers for the non-Luca players that that probably saved them because you can imagine that game spiraling if those guys were not able to contain the ball when uh, the opportunity came around. Well, the Mavericks ended up only shooting. 33% from three, mm. but I remember because I did the recap tonight. I remember checking it at halftime and it was like both teams were shooting close to 50%. Yeah. And the kind of looks that Dallas was getting were the kind of looks that Reggie and, and Dorian simply have to knock down. And we're, this feels like the kind of game where had they hit two more threes, it might've not even been this kind of finish. And right. Luca was finding guys open. Like he was passing them open. It felt, you know, kind of like a quarterback leading dudes into the right position. They just need to knock them down and maybe given a different, you know, a, a different opportunity they can like Maxi, who, you know, was a, a offensive rebounding beast 
was just unable. Like he hit one of four and he was just, you know, served some really nice threes. And so it's like that kind of game where a couple of things go different. And I think I feel differently um, about what the Mavericks were, were trying, uh, were trying to do, but it was, it was a really entertaining game because, you know, the, the Clippers just, they, they stifle the Mavericks. They don't bother Luca, but the <laughs> Mavericks as a team just get shut down. I mean, your Brunson points are spot on. It was the thing that I wrote. There's just this growing body of work that one of the main things that Brunson has to figure out is how to be effective against guys that are taller than six foot five. Like he just struggled buses. Now he was able to finally generate some nice passes, which was, you know, that's where he's really, he's, he's normally turned the ball over a lot against length. Uh, some of his worst turnover games were against uh, guys that, that have that length, but the shooting, he just, it's like he misses a couple of them and then he gets a little worried because the sh- it, it, it's, it's hard to describe. I, I It's like I, a snowball effect when he mm-hmm. misses a couple and it just mm-hmm. kind of rolls through the rest of the game. Yep. So mm-hmm. that's, that's where I am with him. But yeah, we also learned that Lucas still owns the soul of uh, Eveka Subak. Uh, good lord i mean i think how many of those 28 points came in Zubac in the first quarter, quarter. I mean, they, yeah. they would they had to go small he played them off the floor again and zubak's been one of their better players yeah minus 17 was the worst of any of the clippers players it seems like the i don't know when Ty Lue is gonna gonna figure this out but the the mavericks like a hundred percent beat the clippers when zubak is on the floor and the clippers like a hundred percent are better than the mets or not better but just beat the mavericks when he's off the floor it's it's crazy like you go back to that last playoff series and if Zubak like if he didn't play a single second of that playoff series like it might have been a five game series like it's absolutely crazy how much that series turned um you know earlier this you know and earlier this year or no sorry not last year last year when uh you know after like game two he basically didn't play for the rest of the series and coincidentally that's when the Mavericks kind of started to started to struggle and let that series get away but that was that series. But it was just funny to see that continue tonight. Like it was, it was hilarious. It was just right off the bat. Luca was just uh, destroying him uh, in the pick and roll. Yeah, it's it's one of those games where we've seen Luca be very aggressive in first quarters recently, and it was one where it really paid off. Whereas there's one while you were on uh, while you were on your trip where he just started off like terribly, like two of seven from the floor, and it just didn't seem to really work. It was odd. I'm, I'm not sure how to like frame it any way other than that. But this is just one of those games. I'm glad they got through it. If they lose to the Clippers on Saturday, I'm going to be annoyed. But I, you know, when you play a team twice, like beating them, yeah. you, you want to win one. Um, particularly against a team like the Clippers, who are kind of play uh, play in adjacent, where they're they want to win games. Like they were active on the trade market, and you know they they just have they just have all of the six seven dudes. It's it's their thing. Yeah, I actually, I mean, I'm a little envious of parts of their roster, and when they get, I mean, if Paul, I know, I, I don't know what the status is on Paul George. Obviously, I think Kawhi is going to miss the rest of the season in the playoffs. But man, if they can get Paul George back, I really love like Powell and Covington flanking mm-hmm. what they already have. Like, I mean, they're, they are monsters next year. It's going to yes. piss me and, off to high heaven. And they're going to be very, if George comes back, they're going to be the, none of the high seeds are going to want to play them. If George uh, can find his way back before the season's over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's time we have to transition to the other <laughs> stuff because we can talk about this game for the rest of the day. I've been but looking forward a, to this all day. I mean, we have had, <laughs> Okay, looking yeah, forward okay. to this for three years, right? But, well, nah, I'm not sure. So Two let's half, actually talk two. about that because mm-hmm. I've kind of talked about this game a lot. We had a green room, which is up. You can find it in your feed. 
a ton. Like I, I'm, it was baffling. There were 900 people <laughs> in this green room wanting to talk about this. I don't like, I was, I was in awe. It's like the middle of the day, but like in every single person, save two dudes were super pissed about this thing. So I want to, I want to give you a platform because I've talked about it a lot. So let's just talk about it. So for those who are somehow under a rock, the Dallas Mavericks traded away Chris Stapps Porzingis for um, Spencer Dimwitty and uh, Davis Bertans. So we still have a Latvian on the team. And if you're unaware, Davis Bertans has, uh, he's in year two of a five-year deal, which pays him roughly $16 million a year. He will be on the Dallas Mavericks until 2024, 25, I believe. It might be 2022, 23. I get these years mixed up. And then Spencer Dinwiddie has this year, next year, and then a partially guaranteed third year. And I flat out don't fucking understand this deal, but I want to hear you cook. Oh man, I, I wrote down some notes to try to organize my thoughts because I've been tweeting about it all day. Uh, so if you re- if you've been reading, if you happen to be reading my tweets, I'm not going to maybe enlighten you that much more. I'll try to, but at the end of the day, what I think this is is I don't think like in a vacuum like this is not a good you know quote good trade. I mean Spencer Dinwiddie looks absolutely cooked this season coming off another, you know, ACL tear. I don't know how many he's had at least two. Uh, and, and Bertans like got lost in the woods like 18 months ago and, and hasn't been found. And he's been, he's been hurt for a couple for about a year or so now with lower body injuries. And that's worrying. I think you said he's been dealing with foot problems this season. So, I mean, there's, I mean, it would not shock me if he's not even a, a regular part of the rotation uh, for the rest of the season. I mean, he just, certainly hasn't been for the Wizards, and they right and like and 15 minutes a game. Yeah, and they're a team that could certainly use someone that can, that can theoretically shoot as well as he can. So, like, and we, you know, even we'll get to Kristaps' availability and, and all that stuff, but like, just you know, there's a lot of people have been saying like bringing up the Mavericks' record without Kristaps Porzingis is a reason why they did this trade. And I'm looking at that like, okay, yeah, he wasn't playing. Like, there's a chance that those two guys, the Dinwiddie and, and Bertans, playing minutes for the Mavericks makes this Mavericks team actively worse than just the Mavericks without Kristaps because yeah. those two guys have been playing terribly. I mean, I don't have Dinwiddie's numbers up right now, but he's shooting like, you know, he's shooting under 40% from the floor. He's shooting like 30% from three. Like, he's having a horrible season. He's having like 12 points a game. Like, I mean, it, he, he's – it. it you look at his game log and it is a house of horrors and how bad he has played. And this is coming from someone who, you know, last summer I was very into the idea of uh, acquiring him in free agency. Uh, so, you know, I was, I was high, I was a Dinwiddie guy. So for me to be saying this is really tough for me because I really liked his game before his last ACL tear. And, you know, as we've seen, maybe it takes a year for him to come back, but it, I mean, short term, I just don't see, I don't see a way in which the Mavericks are better unless, you know, those guys just, you know, miraculously turn it around and get the Doncic touch. I mean, which is possible. But if you're just looking at this rationally on paper right now, the Mavericks are absolutely a worse team than they were before. Um, You know, hopefully, hopefully those two guys maybe turn around, but like, you know, you, you can't, you can't guarantee that based on how they've played this season and how Bertans has looked for like the last 18 months. Um, Having said all that, I, I get it. I know. I mean, I absolutely understand why they did it. I mean, at a certain point, I think the Mavericks reached a breaking point with, with Kristaps. And, you know, I think, I don't know what the total is, but he's missed like what, 75 
ish games since he returned uh, to the NBA in that 2019, 2020 season from his last injury. He's missed about 22 of the Mavericks oh, 51 or so games this season. Uh, people love to point out that seven of those were uh, from COVID and it's like uh, people, I mean, it miss, people. <laughs> but also like that's still uh, what well, that's still 10 plus games he missed um, with, with lower, you know, because of other things that wasn't related to COVID. Um, and I honestly just think, I just think it's, it's, it's a way to, to reboot in a, in a way, not a great way because, you know, Dinwiddie and Bertans still have very long contracts that are going to last for a couple more seasons and they're not going to be necessarily easy to trade. But I, I just have to think that there's stuff that we don't know that we're not privy to. It's going to come out in a report, but I have to imagine that the day in day to day, grind of maintaining Kristaps Porzingis and keeping him healthy and keeping him happy has just worn out this entire organization. I'm not saying that for a fact. I'm just reading the tea leaves between what we see publicly from the comments, what we see in reports from plugged in reporters, and just using some common sense from the fact of how many games this guy is missing, how many post-game interviews have we done with Kristaps where we're talking about like how to get him going and both Rick Carlisle and Jason and kid talking about different methods uh, in and in, in how to use him and deploy him um you know luka Doncic having asked questions about you know hey why aren't you guys clicking or you know wh- what's going on i have to imagine that combined with the fact that he is just not available and he's not reliable to play uh-huh. i think the mavericks just reached a point where like okay we're done you know we're gonna take a loss on this but we have to like we just can't keep doing this anymore and i feel like they reached a breaking point um it must I, I it just it lines up too perfectly you know before he had this recent inactive stretch with the bone bruise um the the four games he played before he he went out with this recent stretch um before sorry the four games he played before he went out with covid apologies he looked awesome uh i think he was averaging something like 25 points 25 points 10 rebounds i mean he had 27 34 24 24 in four straight games. And it was, it was the first time I think we talked about in the pod, you mentioned it. It was like the first time since 2019, 2020 in the bubble where he looked like that dominant second tier all-star scoring option. Like he was getting to the free throw line, like 10 times a game. He finally started making some threes. He was generating offense on his own out of the mid post. I mean, he looked like the guy and then he gets COVID. Yep. Not his fault, but then he comes back. And he doesn't, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. I mean, he didn't. He only scored twenty points once in the ensuing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So in the next eight games, he scores twenty points once. Um, he shoots, you know, okay from the field, but not a lot of shots. Defense is okay. Rebounding is, you know, comes and goes, but you know, it just didn't look the same. Uh, and it was just really slow to get him back into the fold. He still had some decent free throw attempt games, but you know, he played. 27 minute game against Oklahoma city and he scored 13 points and had no free throw attempts. Like, you know, just some, like he had just, it just didn't look right. Like it looked like he was reestablished, like he had to reestablish himself. Right. And then he goes out again with another knee injury, a bone bruise. And I think that was the, I think when that happened, I think the Mavericks realized how, how many times can we keep doing, how many times can he sit out? Can he, he look awesome for like five or eight games, five to eight games. Then he sits out for five or six. 
And then what we're not talking about enough is that then the next five to six games when he comes back, it's this whole readjustment period Mm -hmm. where the team has to play differently. They have to placate him and his touches. He looks off. He has to work himself back into shape. And I'm I'm convinced. I mean, I'm I'm waiting for the McMahon, Mark Stein, Waj, Zach, you know, whoever's going to do it. I'm the Tim Cato story about how the team was just over it, and they just were like, okay, we can't keep doing this, especially when we have no guarantee that you're going to play in the playoffs. Because guess what? He's been on this team for two playoff series. One of them he got hurt, and the other one he was a shell of him former self. And I know that the coaching was part of that, but. He couldn't move last year. I mean, that's why the coaching was like that in the the second Clipper series uh, in 2021. So, again, I'm kind of rambling. I've gone on for a long time now, but I just think the Mavericks knew we can. I think it got untenable behind the scenes to a degree where they were like, we cannot keep him on the roster past this trade deadline. Well, yeah, because heaven forbid. What if he if he has one more knee surgery? It's He's done. done. You're not even getting these guys for him. You're not getting yeah. anything. So no, I think, in, yeah, Go ahead. it's, in, it's incredible. And so I have just waffled back and forth all day about how I feel. And when it comes to the players who they got, it has to be stated out front that both of these guys suck and really like might be utterly disastrous for the Mavericks long-term, but I at least appreciate the attempt to do something the fact that this has been deadpanned around the league, like in all outlets, like there's ve- like Tim Legler murdering KP on air is like the only. Um, and if you haven't seen it, he just went off on KP's availability, saying the reason he's called the unicorn is because he's not real. Um, <laughs> and so I, I've just waffled back and forth because, you know, and, and I've been arguing about this with fans, and it's like, guys, like I love y'all, I love every single person that interacts with us on here, but you got to stop taking like the shit that Mark Cuban says, where he's out here calling Davis Bertans, the shooter. And the, the, like, these are guys that we needed to fill out our roster. You know, he gave these unbelievable quotes to Brad Townsend, where he is once again, gaslighting the shit out of what is happening to this team. They had to get out from under Porzingis. And where I become very frustrated is not necessarily with Porzingis, even though his antics piss me off. I feel bad for him as kind of a guy because, you know, it's like Wes Unsell Jr. is out here giving insane quotes about Porzingis right now, where it's evident he has just not seen the guy play. Um, Porzingis just, he gets in people's brains and he makes them stupid because on paper he's incredible, but in reality he's just fine. And so I I find myself just increasingly frustrated over this whole, whole deal because you know, the Mavericks sold this to us for years. It does not matter who is the coach, who is the gym GM. It doesn't matter. We, you and me, Josh Bo, Kirk Henderson, MavsMoneyBall.com have been shit on for years for our very correct take that Porzingis was not the guy moving forward. So you have been, you've been kind of goading me all day being like, Kirk, why are you joking <laughs> on everyone? Well, because I don't want to be right. I don't want to be right. I know. The Mavericks wasting periods of a transcendent basketball player's career pisses me off. You know, Lucas scored 51 points tonight. <laughs> it shows why he's amazing. And we've spent better parts of years talking about how to make Chris Dapps Porzingis feel like the good and special boy we know he is if things are just so. Who fucking cares? My God. <laughs> They've done the hard part. And the Maverick fans keep giving Cuban a pass 
for the fact that he thought he was he was he, he's hit a triple when his ass was born on third base. They have fucked up every single person transaction except for Luca and Jalen Brunson for ten years. They and they're gonna at this point, people. Let let's be clear. They better hope to make some real moves in the offseason or we're staring down a tunnel of Luca demanding out in like 2024. Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing about this trade is that, you know, I'm trying to defend it, but I'm defending it on the micro level of mm-hmm. just present day, what they have in Kristaps, what they traded for it, excluding everything else. Like just in the moment, here's this trade. You can defend it on a micro level. Like for all the reasons we, I just babbled on about, but what you talked about is you have to, you can't just look at this trade at a micro level. You have to look at it on a macro level. They basically traded all of their decent trade assets and contracts. Um, and, you know, Dennis Smith Jr., who was their only other top 10 pick, uh, they've had besides uh, Luca in the last 10 years and two future first round picks for Spencer Dinwiddie and, and, and Bertans. Mm. Uh, that's how you have to look at it now. I mean, they spent two first round picks for basically nothing. I mean, I mean, these two guys, I mean, again, Dinwiddie starts scoring 25 a game. We're all going to look stupid, but we just, we can't predict that like that's just if that happens it's great but there's nothing telling us that his season is just going to magically turn around there's some things we can hope for but you know come on um so like you just have to look at it as like it's a fit like if Kristaps works he's not being traded for two guys on terrible contracts that are playing the worst basketball they've played each of them have played in their entire career you know like you can't spin this as like an upgrade in the sense of like well, the they're trying. Plan. Have you they been are. looking at these they posts? Are, have you been looking is, at these quotes? I know. I'm, I was trying to hold off on, on those. We'll probably have to get to them. But I just want to <laughs> emphasize, like, this is, at a macro level, this is a disaster and a failure of the highest order. Like, you cannot, mm. you, when you're building a team, you know, you, ideally, when you have a young guy like Doncic, and I need to write this column, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to get into it, but I'm, I need to, I'm not going to write this tonight. I'm, this is going to be future, or maybe it'll work its way, and I don't know how I'm going to do it. No, don't but, say but, it, Tim but, Cato. <laughs> but when you play, when you, with Luca, he's such a conundrum and how to build around, because it's, normally guys give you like two or three years, like mm-hmm. they'll show promise, and then they explode, and then you, you go all in when he gets closer to to his mid twenties, late twenties, uh, and until then, you just kind of build pieces up around with the draft picks you get, and as your team steadily gets better, then you hope you know hope the guys get around him better and the talent gets better, and then you reach a point where you're like, all right, we're pushing the chips in. Let's get the the vet the couple of veteran uh, you know all star all in moves, and, and we're ready to roll. But with Doncic, he was so good. I mean. You look at the Thunder, and they had Kevin Durant, and they rolled right into Westbrook, and then Harden, and they were able to just kind of steadily build that core of talent. It didn't work, but you know, it, that's kind of the the ideal, right, for a star. But you look at Luca. By the time in the second year, the Mavericks won forty three games in his second year, or forty two, or whatever, forty three, whatever games, uh, his second year, like that. That's it. His second year, they were done being a team that could accumulate young talent through the draft because they were getting outside the lottery picks mm-hmm. um durant got two top five picks uh back to back in westbrook and harden well but um, even that so, like you're 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 kind of going over the past that they fucked up that stuff like yeah like, i know love but me like, some josh green but yeah. ugh. 
Yeah, but it, I'm just saying it's a, it's a weird situation where they're trying to do have it both ways because Luca is giving you both ways. He's giving you at 22 years old what usually you're waiting for guys who are 28 to give you. And it's the same. You look at the how old the Cleveland Cavaliers built around LeBron the first time he was there, and it was the same thing where LeBron got so good his second year, he was already MVP candidate. It was like, well, shit, what do we do? We got to win because he's that good. But mm-hmm. And they made so many short-sighted moves. And then as LeBron kept aging and they didn't work, they didn't have any – they just kind of kept shuffling through – crap that they because they couldn't build themselves out of the hole because they kind of had to commit one way and i think that's really struggling that's the struggle with building around these mavericks um obviously luca is a hard part but i think we might underrate how hard it is to keep an eye toward the future when luca is 28 but, here's the thing. but also they, not ignoring how good he is right now because you want to go all in right now but you but they did keep an eye on the future josh i know and that's what that's the Christoph and they thing. made the worst, yes. dumbest gamble in yes. 2019 by assuming Giannis Antetokounmpo was going to be available. They yep. built everything around that. It was a stupid fucking bet at the time, and they sold it to this fan base. And God damn it, Mark Cuban's about to do it again. He, he gave a quote today about how, well, we're going to have next year, we're going to be in tax hell, something like that. But the year after, ooh, we'll see. Guys, Mark Cuban <laughs> has never paid the luxury tax. Never, never, never since this, since the 2011 uh, uh, championship team, he has sold a bill of goods that we should give a shit about how much money this costs him. Absolutely not. I will pay $300, take my family to the games. That's the money that I care about. I don't care about his. I'm done with this conversation. Plan powder 4.0. I am going to lose my mind. Every single person in America, podcaster, et cetera, media person was making fun of this stuff that it looks like the Mavericks are trying to position themselves for free agency. We have to stop this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mind boggling. Um, but yeah, like, but yeah, so they're trying to do, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a fit. They were trying to have it both ways with KP where they traded for him and they're like, well, he's 24. So it's like a win now and he can grow with Luca move. But like, you just think about it, like they threw away two first round, pit. like think about what they, if they didn't go all that move for Kristaps, think about the position they could be in right now in terms of flexibility, in terms of think about all the players that they missed out on because they didn't have those picks to trade at the time. You yep. think about Aaron Gordon. I mean, you think about CJ McCollum that just got traded. I mean, there's been some moves since the Mavericks have traded, since the Mavericks traded for Kristaps, and then up until today. And it's it's a shame, like it, it, that it didn't work out so well. That it it's. I mean, they're starting over. They're basically well, they're, they're building their the exit court. strategy. They're building yeah. their Luka Doncic. Please don't leave us exit strategy by accumulating back their draft picks, which is wise. I'm glad they didn't give any up. But now what they're doing is they're accumulating contracts that are larger than what they had. And you noted this today. You think it makes them players on the market down the road, but it means sending out picks. Yes. They're, they're loading up for the next Kristaps trade basically. Right. I'm just, I'm horrified. I'm (laughs) whoever that's going to be. And and that's the one that has to hit. And if that one doesn't hit, you don't get a do over. I don't think. I don't Um, think so. No, it's done. (laughs) And, And here's the crazy part. Here's the absolute crazy part. Luca is going to drag them to the second round this year. (laughs) And they are going to view this as validation of all their own stuff. And I think now, I think now is kind of the time where we pivot to uh, Mavs GM slash uh, human puppet. Nico, uh, uh, just what's Nico's last name? I'm Harrison. Nico Harrison 
just once again, woefully unprepared for a, a press conference, giving comments that like no one believes. I mean, I'm trying to find some of them. Do you have any I mean, in I've, front of you? I don't have Nico's up, but I do you want me to say the quotes that Brad Townsend ran in his Dallas Morning News story? I can go oh, sure. off while yeah, looking for the that. Nico stuff. I'll just read it in full because I think it's it's good for the context. So uh, Brad reached out to Mark, uh, you know, during this game or, or maybe right before it started. And here's what Mark had to say about this trade. Quote, I think KP's an incredible talent, but we needed that shooter, Bertans, and we needed another ball handler, Dinwiddie, who could create a shot. And unfortunately, that was the only way we were going to get them, Cuban said, before referencing the Mavericks 13-8 and record without Przingis this season. More from Cuban, quote, it was that simple, getting two guys who fill roles that we really need and the fact that we played okay without KP. But I think that doesn't take anything away from KP being a great talent. And I actually think he's going to be better with the Wizards than he was with us. Cuban goes on, quote, it wasn't like he was just hurt all the time. He wasn't. We were just overly cautious. KP worked so hard. He doesn't get the credit he deserves for doing the work it takes to keep his body healthy. He's very in tune with his body, and we didn't think it was worth it to take the risks. More from Cuban. Quote, we have Luca, Brunson, and Trey, who are really the only guys who can create off the dribble, and maybe Frank to a certain extent. But now Spencer does that, so the whole idea of giving Luca a chance to rest every now and then, he's not going to want to rest, but giving him that opportunity to rest. And that's what he told Brand Townsend. And before I get to you, I just want to, Mark Cuban in 2019 after he <laughs> got straight the fan base that he that he's treating this fact the foundation of this core like the foundation of Dirk and Steve Nash, and he's not going to let it get away like Dirk and Nash did. And now three years later, he is talking about KP and a trade like he's a role player kind of throw in like a josh richardson like ah you know uh we 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 really needed to fill some gaps and, and so we had like we had to get rid of him and, and we had to let him go you know we like him but we you know we we had these holes in the roster um kp should be filling those like, like isn't this crazy like he's talking about like we need someone that can create a shot and be a shooter and it's like isn't that why you traded for kp so oh it's just well here's a fun one it's this very is from november Mark Cuban, I've always believed that KP hasn't played his best basketball yet. <laughs> now you're seeing why we didn't trade him. He's a great player. He's a good dude. All of my experiences with him have been positive. So why would we do that? But that's NBA Twitter, and that's Mavs Twitter. <laughs> that's what they do. <laughs> Man, I, I just... when. I had, a, I had a wonderful guy uh, join the the green room today who was just like, when I first heard you say, like, like bagging on Cuban, he was like, I was like, fuck that guy. But then I started to pay attention, and you were right. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what it is with you. People, your your initial aggression, aggression I think people might turn away to that, and then they kind of realize the meat of what you're saying. Uh, and then everyone starts to come around, which is mm-hmm. uh, kind of what's happened. Well, not what's happening. People seem to be really mad at this trade. And I get it. I think what people are mad, like, I, I think I understand people are mad at, like, the return. But I, I really think it has to be, like, deep down that macro view of, holy shit. Like, we went all in on this KP trade. And it's it's done. Like, they're they're not getting those draft picks back. And there's a very real chance that these two guys they got are do nothing. Um 
they are like you said they are we are like we just said they are with this trade they are reloading to make the next kp trade um and it's just scary to think about uh what the future holds so can i uh, sorry i'm still rambling but can you address i'm looking at my notes I want to address, because I think this was also something that was asked of me a lot on Twitter and I think was posted a lot. I, I'm, I didn't listen to your Green Room, sorry. But I I'm sure you got, you got... I can't believe anyone listens to me being that <laughs> online. It's uh, a, it's, I, I love people, but at the I, same time... I have to imagine you've been getting this a lot today, uh, but I've been seeing a lot of, like, why now? Like, why trade KP now? Why for this package? Like, what, you know... Why not wait till the end of the season? Why not give it another playoff run? Why not wait till the off season when you can maybe get a better deal? You know, why this trade package? Why right now? And I, you know, we've kind of hinted at it, but I, I honestly believe that the reason why it was right now is because KP is basically a ticking time bomb and he's on the Chandler Parsons trajectory of he cannot stay on the court. His knee keeps bothering him. And he's already had two knee surgeries, uh, one on each knee, and he's getting dangerously close, you know, with the way he plays and, you know, he falls weird and he's, he's seven, three. It's just, it's, it's really hard. The data is there for guys, his size that have had the injuries he's had. It doesn't get better. It gets worse. Um, you know, he's reaching that territory where he has another fall or his, he wakes up and his knee feels weird and he yep. has to go under the knife again and it's over. And like the Mavericks know that. And unfortunately, the rest of the league knows that. Like KP being a ticking time bomb with his injury, with his next injury, that's not a league secret. And I have to imagine that his value league-wide was basically negative. And um, yep. I think Mark Stein uh, on, a, on a TV hit during the Mavs pregame show, I think he was saying something like teams were basically asking the Mavericks for them to throw in a first-rounder to take KP off their hands. Like that is where his value was around the league. He needed to have a sweetener attached for the Mavericks to get anything of, of somewhat some value. So when you consider all that, you have, you know, it's like, it's not going to get any better. What if they hold on to this trade deadline? He gets hurt again, which it's like the track record is he's going to get hurt again. Uh, And then it's even worse. So I think, you know, why now, why this package, I legitimately believe that the Mavericks did this because it was they made the best of a bad deal, essentially. Like I think, as bad as the players are getting back in this trade is, you know, as as long and meaty of the contracts are getting back, you know, they're not clearing cap space. They didn't get a draft pick. They didn't get a young prospect. They didn't get a current All Star level. They didn't even get a you know a starter level player. Dinwiddie's been starting, but he's just he's not that level. You know, he he will not start when he gets here. You know, I have to imagine. Um, the reason why I think is because this is all they could do. And I think they made a choice that was like, we cannot hold him past this deadline for, for reasons that we might not know. And maybe we do know, you know, they're sort of taking the step back. We've been talking about, I just didn't think yeah. they do it, I know. but the it's, fact that they added two terrible salaries, there's an honest clarity to this trade that is kind of shocking for yeah. how the Mavericks operate. Um, yeah. but yeah, you're right. Um, and I just think that's, you know, that's what it is. Like you can't say, well, wait, if you wait, he gets hurt again. And then you can't even do this trade. And then you're nope. really stuck under the gun. Um, so I, 
I don't know how flexible, you know, I don't want to, I'm not trying to shoo away. There's obviously like real legitimate criticisms of this deal. And Kirk, you and I have talked to plenty of smart people that cover the league at a national level that are not cool with this trade and don't think it's a good trade for the Mavs. And I totally like get it. Uh, you know, it is not a guarantee that they're going to be able to flip the Dinwiddie and Breton's contracts into something, you know, better or brighter. Uh, it is not a guarantee that those guys play better with the Mavs, but I just think I, I have a hard time believing that if there was, you know, like good Lord, Kirk, we were hearing rumors last season about like maybe trading KP for John Collins. Like I, if any of those types of rumors were tr- like, they wouldn't have done this trade. Nope. I just don't believe that if they could have gotten a first round pick for him and a good player, uh, if they could have, you know, if they could have gotten more, I think they would have. Um, and I think some people are wondering what about, you know, there were the rumors that started the day about the Toronto and, you know, in Toronto being interested in sending the Mavs a first rounder and Goran Dragic for KP. And they ended up sending Dragic in a first rounder for Thad Young. And you look at KP and you're like, oh, well, I, why not do that for KP? But I mean, the money just didn't work. Like they would have had to put something else in with Dragic to get KP. I just don't think the Raptors liked, like, no, because KP's not been good. Right. Like, I'm not like the. I, there's no way the Mavericks like turned down a Dragic first rounder, Gary Trent Jr. Do, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. The the level that they got back from the Wizards is so bad that I'm giving this team the benefit of the doubt that they did their homework and that this was the best they could do and they realized this is going to hurt we have to take our medicine but the, it's over the kp experiment's over if we hold on any longer it's going to blow up even harder in our faces let's just do it let's just get it out of the way let's do it let's hope that these guys can turn around let's not bank on it and and move forward uh i'm just i I, I have to believe that Kirk because the alternative is that Mark Cuban turned down a great deal so that he could trade for yeah, a crypto yeah. no, bro, I and I, I my brain starts melting and I refuse to accept. I that can't do yet. that yet. No, no as no. much as I kick the shit out of the Mavericks on this, and we're yeah. coming up towards the end of our recording time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I do want us to end on a mildly optimistic note, and and you know, we've been very hard on Dorian Finney-Smith the last several oh, yeah, yeah. years. He signed a contract extension four years uh, upwards of 55 million. If he hits his bonuses, I don't have anything to say on this other than outstanding and congratulations to him. He gave a quote in the post game about how he he's tried to get his mom to stop working and she didn't want to. And now he's going to, he's, he's going to give her, he's going to give her the life that he thinks she deserves. And it's like one of those, like, genuinely moving moments in the midst of a lot of like sports cynicism. And I, I like, I, I don't care what the value is. I don't give a shit. It's fucking awesome. Dude was undrafted. Good for him. Yeah. Going from undrafted to, I think an $8 million contract to 55 in the course of like four to five years, basically. Um, that's amazing. Life cha- like that's generational life changing money for him, his family, his kids, their kids. Uh, yeah, and, and he earned he earned it. I mean, every dollar. Yeah, he he played his ass off. He played hurt. Uh, he's one of the you know. He took a lot of pride in changing his like. He understood what he needed to do to stay in the league, and the change in his jumper from his first three years in the league to now, and not just like percent, like he changed his jumper. He does not shoot the same way that he shot 
uh, those first three years. And that's him putting in the work to do that. And how many times have we seen guys in the NBA fizzle out because they just either refuse or they just can't do that, make that switch. Um, So for him to do that, you know, Bravo earns it all. Uh, And he's going to help, and he's going to help the Mavericks one way or another cynical to think, you know, use him in a trade because his contract is a little meatier and, and whatever, whatever about all that, that's for down the road. Just, just good for Dorian. Uh, absolutely deserved it. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for hanging out with us. This is the longest Josh and I've gone in months. Yeah. Uh, we're going to, I'll have another green room. Cause I want to talk about the game and also talk about, uh, uh, talk about, uh, you know, the, the, we've had time to let the trade process. There'll be another podcast go up this afternoon. Please like, and subscribe. The support we've been receiving is overwhelming. Mavs Moneyball After Dark. This has been Josh and Kirk. Everyone have a great Friday. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.